This is Digital Gonzo number 48, dated Thursday 17th of November 2011. Gonzo Gaming, The Crisis Series. I'm Alex Shaw, and here to discuss these games are two regular Gonzo Planet contributors, Joshua Combine Hunter Garrity of Kane and Rince. Hello. And Ditsimiu, formerly of the gamer scene. Hello. Hey, yo, fam, check this out. I was just at the club, right? Heard these two dudes talking. One of them said to the other one that they knew someone. Who said you guys are whack? You civil whack, you take it back. Who civil whack, you talking smack, you're gonna get smacked. You're saying that I'm whack, but it just ain't so. Someone said we're whack, why would they say that? I don't think we're whack. Who said we're whack? Who said we're whack? I can't believe that. They must be smoking crack to say that we're whack. Say that we're whack, you'll probably get smacked. If you said we're whack, did you say we're whack? Who said we're whack? I'll paint your eye black once I check my facts. Who said we're whack? How could a person up and call a person whack? How could the devil turn the blue sky black? How many babies born will ever reach their dreams? And how could a person call another person whack? I heard a rumor that someone said we're whack. I think that it's whack to call someone whack. I am not whack, no matter what you say. What did you say? Did you say I'm whack? There is, there is. So we're going to talk about Crisis and Crisis 2, and there has been a storm of interest on the forum. So uh, right about the middle a section of it, we're actually going to read out some of your thoughts, folks. These games are not without their detractors and their rabid fans, so it's somewhat divisive. We shall talk about Crisis first, 2007 original. Uh, we can't really talk about it without talking about Far Cry, and indeed Crytek themselves. Um, now... I'm going to leave a lot of this to Ditz because he's far more interested in all the PC engine <laughs> stuff and um, not the PC engine, the engine of a PC not and, PC and all, that, the, all of that DirectX stuff. It's things I don't really know about and I'm not qualified to talk about. You know, as I understand it, Crytek were formed in 1999 and it took them n- nearly five years to create Far Cry. CryEngine one was that? It was the original CryEngine. Yeah. Yeah. And. You sent me a thing today for Exile. What was that? Um, Exile was created... It was more of a tech demo uh, created back in 2000. So we're talking back in the days of the Dreamcast. You know, I don't even think <laughs> the PS2 had arrived at that point. Yeah. And it seemed very much inspired by the trailer for Disney's Dinosaur. Lots of, lots of swooping over a sort of a tropical paleolithic paradise. Yeah, and, you know, you can see the, the seeds of, of Far Cry and Crisis in that. You know, they're creating this jungle. And apparently it was always going, this was actually what Far Cry was going to be. And um, from further research and reading about and they actually, with Far Cry, they tried to beat Half-Life 2 and Doom 3 to the punch. Um, oh, wow. They all released in the same year, so they went. They were like, right, we've got to get this out there first, you know, get people to know who we are. And this was a young, you know, hungry Crytek at the time. So, so they're a German company. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two things significantly about CryEngine 1 and, and its subsequent follow-ups, and that's the chaotic elements that lead to a, a series of different scenarios happening to make the environment react to you and you to react to the environment and, indeed, the people in the environment, and the extreme level of graphical fidelity. Yeah, they've always pushed the envelope, um, and as you say, they, they create a, a sandbox for the player to play in, and they often, yeah, as you say, they, you know, they push everything to the limits. Actually, for the... They've got a very close standing history, and I will go into this later with Crisis 2, with NVIDIA. 
because um, <clears> when they showed off Exile... The folks who make graphics cards. Yes, yeah. NVIDIA and, and ATI, or AMD, as they're known today, um, they are fierce rivals in the PC. They create the graphics cards for the PCs and, and for the consoles. And they, and Crytek had always sort of sided with NVIDIA, and NVIDIA were the first ones to show off Exile to say, look, this is what our new GeForce 3s can do. Yeah, and it's always been this thing, a very close link together. And, well, I'll go into a bit more detail later. But, yeah, as you say, they try and push the envelope. They try and create things a little bit different, you know. Up to that point, we'd have very corridor-based shooters, you know, mm. just going straight down the line, killing things as much as you can. But Far Cry and uh, it came along, and it was this... When it started development, of hmm. course, Halo hadn't been released at that point. In in ninety nine, when they when they started you know, putting pen to paper, hmm. it was several years before Halo was actually released, and obviously that was the first game, possibly with the exception of Goldeneye, that introduced massive, expansive outdoor environments. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I mean the hang glider and things like this. You know, it, it, yeah. it brought in some very, very interesting and fun new um, gameplay ideas and. Obviously, you know, it's it's a lot of people who have played this. Actually, did you play the PC Far Cry? Because the console one was a very, very different animal. I actually played the entirety of uh, Far Cry. Oh, no, you know what? I played two-thirds of Far Cry. Mm-hmm. Then Aliens turned up, uh, I tuned out. And it was on the PC. It was back on my, uh, my, my old Dell that I got in 2005 and was capable of running Far Cry, Half-Life 2, World of Warcraft, just about. And, yeah, I, t- I, I was impressed with it. I love the chaotic elements of it. But the second, that the what are they called, the Trigen? Yeah, the Trigen. It's another Crytek. Guerrilla thing, things it? turned up. I, I just, I, I got really bored. Yeah, the, it, it was this big open world, do what you want, and then it kind of focused you down and then you had to fight mutants, which... I guess that kind of happens in Crisis as well, doesn't it? And Crisis 2. And, yes. at this point you're going to have to tell us what Crisis was like on the PC because ultimately Josh and I have played a pared down version to a degree it's taken away the whole point of Crisis which is to be something that blasts your machine to the limit some a a benchmark that you can raise your PC up to. It was almost a gimmick, but at the same time, it sold on the strength that it was kind of the the, the yardstick of the machine. You know, if, if you were really into your PC gaming, you got a great machine that would run this. I seem, I seem to remember at least Tony, I don't know about Paul, got um, a machine to be able to play Crisis. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a phrase you'll hear today if you, you know, look on a forum or something. It's Someone will always put the comment, can it run Crisis? Mm. You know, and, and that is... It's what it's remembered for, you know. Its graphics were, for, for 2007, you know, were absolutely out of this world. You know, we hadn't, when this came out, we hadn't seen anything like a modern warfare. Um, mm. You know, the, the shooters were still, you know, I think, I think we'd had Halo 3 at that point. And, mm. and then Crisis came along, and you, we, you know, the PC crowd had heard about this thing for quite a long time, and we were all getting excited and reading the previews and all this, and Crytek were saying, right, we're going you know, to use all the latest technologies. They were really brave at this point. They, you know, they developed this thing for DirectX 10 um, before, you know, just, just as Windows um, Vista was coming out. So that was a huge risk, you know, completely unknown software, completely unknown technologies. And they were like, right, we're going to throw everything at it, you know. And they created this, this living, breathing jungle, you know, and... 
And it was, as you said, it was used for the yardstick for many years for people to, to try and get their PCs to, to run. And I, I see it more, more than a game. It is, it's just a bit of a thing where we can say, right, this is what gaming can be if, if, if the developers tried a little bit harder. You know, we can get this fidelity. We can get this level of, you know, of interactivity Detail. as well. Yeah. So what's it like running at full spec on uh, DirectX 10 on a monitor versus, say, the... 2011 XBLA version running at 720p on a 40-inch LCD flat screen. I've never played it on console. That's actually something I, I haven't done. Right. Uh, so we're going to have to describe it. I mean, okay, no, no, you, you describe the, the PC version and, and, and the sort of things that you would pick out and anything that you particularly noticed about it. I mean, it's I mean, the draw distances. Obviously, I mean, you can look at something in the distance and go, I'm going to go there. You know, mm-hmm. um, the different types of effects and things that do the just the, the way it feels almost real you know and with the mods and things you can attach to it and the texture packs and everything like this you can it, it is like walking into a real world and just going right where the hell am I this is amazing and that this it, it's just fully immersive and, and just makes you want to play it even more and uh, experience the world it's, it's just beautiful there's no other word for it so in contrast, Josh, describe what it's like playing what, to me, feels very much like a PC shooter. I don't know if it is to you. Uh, on, on a 360, how was, it, how was it playing Crisis to begin with? Um, I think they've done a fairly good job of bringing it over to the consoles, but you can't help but feel that it is very much a port from a PC game. There are little things that are a bit, you know, irritating, like... Uh, I think they still had that with Crisis 2, the grenades, where they're separate, but I remember it being a lot easier to swap between weapons in Crisis 2. Um, you double tap Y and you get grenades. Yeah. You throw um, a grenade, you double tap. It's it's like a three-second in and out as opposed to Halo's just instant tap on yeah. the uh, right bumper. And cycling between weapons and vision modes was a bit awkward in Crisis 1 because you had to hold down Y and... Uh, do stuff with that and then Crisis 2 it was just much quicker it felt like a, it actually been mapped to the controller um, I think which is interesting because they'd already laid down Crisis 2 so there was no reason why they couldn't just go let's get this as close as possible to what we bought it. sorry um, they changed the suit they changed the suit heavily um, it's, it's, it's surprising and actually it probably isn't surprising to hear that the the suit controls are very fiddly to do on the on the pad because on the PC they are, it's one of the most intuitive, easy systems to do. You just hold the middle mouse button in, and it brings up a wheel, and you uh-huh. just say, "Right, I want a cloak," and you just sort of hold it down and move towards there. Yeah, because on the uh, 360 version, you're constantly in strength mode all the time, whereas on the PC version, you have to turn that on, um, and also for like speed and stuff, that's like an on and off feature on the PC, whereas on the 360, you just, you just push down the right, the left stick. Yeah. But it's really weird because there's not like a normal sprint and and speed. It's speed all the time. So you're you want to run away from the enemies, but you're running way too fast, and you just fly off, and you're like, that's whoa, that's, a bit that's yeah. horrible. Sorry, yeah. that's true. Actually, now that you mention it like that, if that had been something which was much more organic, it wouldn't have been so well, jarring. It's cool. they've thrown in. The super strength of Master Chief and the the sprint mode of, of Call of Duty to the console version to make people who are more accustomed to those shooters feel more at home. That's horrible. Sorry, because on the PC you're playing, you're always in shield mode, 
and then you switch to what you want. And I, I, I play Crisis many times, just reloading the same bit because uh, I think, right, what am I going to do this time? I'm going to pick up the guy, throw him through the building, you know, then jump on top of the tank, and then you know, land, throw a grenade at it, and then run her off around the corner, and then do something different the next time. Because it's, very, as you say, it's very organic. You can just choose what you want to do and just have fun with it. And that's that was the beauty of it, because you can just keep doing things in random different ways. I think they have implemented the armor and stealth mode quite well, because that is pretty much the same as Crisis 2, where it's the left and right bumper. And it's easy to kind of switch between the two. So, um, for example, like you're stealthing and you want to shoot somebody without noticing, you can just quickly tap the right bumper, shoot the guy, and then tap the right bumper again to go straight back into stealth, and your energy level hasn't gone all the way down, and you can just carry on sneaking. So I thought that was pretty good. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the sprinting was a bit shit. It's a shame. No, it's a shame. Uh, is everything destructible? Like every tree you can blow up, every building you can blow up. I don't remember blowing up too many trees. I definitely remember blowing up a lot of buildings. Yeah. And having a lot of buildings blown up around me. The trees were like part of the... Oh, this is really strange. Sorry. It <laughs> might, I mean, it, it, they might have been destructible, but there was a lot less just random destruction than probably was available on the PC. Because what you'd do, and again, I'd spend about ten minutes just going, right, here's a tree. I'm going to shoot that branch, and it would break at, the br- at where you shot it. And then you'd yeah. move a little bit to the right, you'd shoot it, and it snapped there. And then you go, actually, I'm going to go over here now. And um, I can confirm that that is not possible on the console version because I did actually try doing that, and uh, I think the trees do like drop; they'll fall down, but they'll only fall down at a very specific point. They can't, you can't like snap yeah. off twigs or anything like that. So like single solid objects rather than multiple parted polygonal models that oh. you can destroy in bits. Again, okay, sorry, because that, that again added to the the stealth element if you want to play like that. Because you could shoot down a branch. And then pick up mm. the branch and pretend you're a tree. Well, I never did that. <laughs> no. That's mental. <laughs> um, you made me want to play the PC version. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, oh well. Josh, we're going to need four thousand pounds. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay, Ditch, you're going to have to tell us in English why the PC can do that, but the console can't. Um, raw power, just faster processor, better graphics card, more RAM. I suppose if you're paying two grand for it versus the yes. out-of-the-box 150 quid, You yeah. can do that on a basic rig these days, a very basic How rig. How much does it cost these days? Um, to run Crisis on medium or even high, about four or five hundred pounds, probably less, and that's just a basic computer. It's not Maybe the graphical uh, high mark it used to be, I don't think. No, I was actually, Has it replaced it? Um, has anything replaced it? Um, I guess Metro 2033 is actually... A lot of people are, are, are using that as a big benchmark, and The Witcher 2. Uh, the Witcher 2 is actually stunning, actually. Um, yeah, yeah uh, these types of games, because they... Yeah, I mean, they've, they've come out there with the new technologies using things like DX11, okay, Witcher 2 doesn't, but the the, 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 the actual polygons count and the, the textures and the frame rate and everything is... It's using your PC to its maximum, you know. And these are these are the new benchmarks for everything, but it's sadly games like that are few and far between, you know. And we don't on the PC, as people know, you know, we don't see these things anymore. And hence, you get a lot of people like me whining every day. We do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the actual experience of it, because um, that this is pretty close for, for Josh and I specifically. Uh, I started playing Crisis Two first because Crisis One wasn't out for several weeks, mm. and I found out about Crisis One coming out about the same time as I got hold of Crisis Two, and I was like, oh yes, I'm finally going to play it. They spent years saying, we're not making this for consoles, not coming out, which was somewhat disheartening because I just thought, I'm never going to have a PC that's going to run it. And even if I did, 
I'm so out of touch with PC gaming now. I mean, how would I even start? That's a whole conversation in itself. But the fact that it was coming out on console was reassuring. So I started playing uh, Crisis 2 while I was waiting. Got a few, maybe a few hours, five, maybe four or five to the middle, and then started playing Crisis 1. Figured I'd play it sort of in the middle and then come back. It's almost like a flashback. So I was having to pick up all of the plot from the beginning of Crisis 2 and from what I read in Wikipedia and then start again when the plot was at the beginning. And it's so jarring going from the almost cuddly Crisis 2 to the cold-hearted, dead-in-a-second-if-you-make-a-single-mistake of Crisis 1 on standard difficulty. Josh, did you feel anything like that since you played Crisis 2 first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Crisis 2 feels like it holds your hand for a bit. It lets you uh, experiment. Um, whereas Crisis 1, make one mistake and you're dead. Which is fine because I feel like the enemies are just as fragile as you. They'll, they'll take a couple of shots and they'll go down. So it's not, it doesn't feel like it's being unfair, but it is very unforgiving. Mm. And I, you can't play that game like you play a Call of Duty or a Halo. You can't just go barging in there. I found myself just, in some cases, avoiding enemies altogether. If I could just skip past a section using my stealth, I would, because engaging in combat was just sometimes a really risky business. You just die almost instantly. Hmm. So that, that's, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny to hear. I mean... I know Crisis 2 um, implemented an auto-aim, didn't it? Very similar to um, Call of Duty, where you sort of just hold the left trigger and it sort of zooms to the nearest target. Mm. I, I guess they didn't do that on Crisis 1 with the, with the arcade version. But just talking about the difficulty on the PC, you could you could play in basic mode. And um, with a lot of shooters, a lot of games these days, you know, if you put it on hard, it just makes the enemies harder to kill and you take more, mm. you know, less shots and you die. But on the PC one of that, I, I don't know if it's the same there, but if you played it on Delta, which was the, the hardest difficulty, the enemies, the KPA, would speak in Korean. Mm-hmm. So instead of them saying, you know, he's over there, they'd just say something random and you wouldn't quite know if they've spotted you or not and things like this. And the- I'm fairly certain they were speaking Korean in our version, Josh. I don't remember yeah, a yeah. word of English. There wasn't any English. No, no. Well, apart from, like, story moments, there yeah. weren't, wasn't any English. Yeah, no. Again, strange. Carry on. Um, but yeah, they, they do things like um, when you get the vehicles, if you're playing on the hardest difficulty, you wouldn't get the minigun or anything like this, so you wouldn't actually be able to fire. Um, so it, they were very clever in how they did their easy and hard mode, basically, which mm. it was quite a fun, different way to play it. Again, it is... I remember how when reading like um, Crytek and seeing like the making of and things like this, and they, they were, their ethos was that you know, the, most of the people who grew up playing these first-person shooters would be in their sort of 30s now and would want mm. more of a challenge... Mm. Hence, they created everything like this. So maybe it does come across a lot tougher on the consoles because it's it's a tougher uh, control system to get right. I think with a keyboard and mouse and slightly more precise aiming, it would be probably a little bit easier. And taking out the... uh, I mean, I I don't remember. Josh, do you remember if they reinstalled auto-aim? I, well... To be honest, because I use stealth so much, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I used to get really up close and personal and stun them with that alternate mm. fire thing. Yeah. I don't know if you use that at all. So I'm not totally sure, actually. It's really easy to get those headshots. I have to get your headshots. Cause I know I definitely wasn't being as creative as I could have been. I, I was very aware that were it not for my suit, I'd be a dead man. Mm. And it felt like it was it was more of an equaliser, like you, it was you versus an army. And because you've got this suit, you might survive for a few extra seconds unless you're stupid. 
but it didn't. I didn't feel like uh, the master, the master chief powerhouse that you do in Crisis Two. It is the the way that have changed. You know, first person shooters have changed. I've, mm. I've tried to give people a quake and say, "Oh, go play that," and they have no idea what they're doing. You know, there's no big arrow pointing them in the way to go, and there's that. You know, there's the funny video, obviously, everyone's seen. But it's how things are now. You know, and it makes it easier, gives it to a broader audience. But it's a shame because we're losing these old, deeper gameplays where you'd have to stop and think. It's just instant action and gratification. What people want. <laughs> Crisis 1 was on the CryEngine 2, uh, which to date has not been behind any console games. Crisis 2 and the console version of Crisis 1 are on CryEngine 3. Uh, so that seems to be a slightly scaled-down console-friendly version of CryEngine 2. I'm just wondering what other games that could be applied to, because there's so much possibility. Even CryEngine 3 is incredibly impressive. Oh, it, it is... It's capable of more than CryEngine 2. It's just that they held it back. Well, they, they made it scale. That was, that's its main thing. They made it scale with all sorts of hardware. Which is what the, you know, which is actually one of the great things of the extended lifetime of the consoles. You know, the companies have had a lot of time to get their engines perfect. I mean, the Unreal mm-hmm. Engine, things like this, they, they can make it do amazing things now. But it's not pushing the envelope. Interestingly, for four years or so, people would do this whenever they talked about Crisis on podcast. They'd talk about the technology and what it could do. No one ever mentioned the plot. And now I've played the games, I know why. <laughs> it's, it's mental. You're on some, are, you in a, are you in Korea or you're in an island near Korea? Uh, island. Island <laughs> occupied by Koreans. Uh, you're special marines in special suits that can uh, generate armour or go stealthy. You start investigating various shady goings-on, and it turns out it's something to do with aliens. I- I've got to ask, why do people react so badly to a third-act edition of Aliens? I think you need to set it up. I mean, I I didn't have that problem with Crisis 2 because it had no allusions to the fact that there were aliens involved. You knew right from the get-go, okay, aliens. But with Crisis 1, I, I mean, because I knew there was going to be aliens now, but I'd seen the reaction from some people like it's just a bit bonkers. I, th- I think it's because it doesn't do a very good job of saying that right from the beginning. It tricks you into thinking it's just going to be like this high-tech, modern, like, first-person shooter against regular people. And then it throws in squid people towards the third act, which I'm not a fan of, to be honest. You see the squid people right at the start. I, I, I was quite laughing, because um, last show you had was about Predator, wasn't it? Yep. And this game's intro is Predator, a yeah. more of a futuristic Predator, and, you know, your, your team's, you know, Joker gets picked off, uh, Prophet gets taken away, and you, you briefly see, you know, what the, the Predator is, the alien, and what they call the char or something. And... Um, yeah, that is quite... I, I thought they'd done that quite well. And then you're obviously fighting the KPA and 
nobody knows what this is. I, I don't know. I thought it set it up quite well. It's just I think the gameplay changed completely. I think that's what more jarred people. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking at this point Far Cry. I'm thinking Crisis. Mm. I'm thinking uh, Crisis Two. I'm also thinking Halo in terms of you're fighting one kind of aliens and then they throw the flood in. Uncharted. And Uncharted, <laughs> you got your, you're suddenly fighting golems. And uh, then there's Yetis in the second one. I don't even want to know what's in the third one. Chupacabras, I'm sure. <laughs> and then, of course, cinematically, Indiana Jones 4. The second no. anything even vaguely interdimensional being-like turns up. Everyone's moaning about aliens. But I think when it comes down to it, if the aliens that they introduced were more fun to fight against than the people you've been fighting, no one would have a damn problem at all. Mm. Which is why, for me, I actually preferred it in Crisis 2 when I was up against the, the squiddy-type people, because they were more fun... A, more fun... Oh, we'll go into this in a bit. A, more fun than the soldiers, and B, I actually levelled up because of them. Uh, but in every other case... I mean, specifically at the end, when you get away from that horrible zero-gravity alien flying around bit, and then you get back down to the ground and it's all snowy, and there's sort of squiddy aliens flying around. They're not fun at all to fight. They just creep up on you, fly around the place, waste your ammo, and it's no fun whatsoever. Yeah, Am I right? blowing up. That's quite good fun. If there's no tank available and you've only got a shotgun? Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I liked the notion of a die-hard-style scenario where ammo is very, very depleted. Mm. And from I think I read up on, on Far Cry and you get chucked back into the jungle with only a rifle and ten bullets versus you and a bunch of aliens, which is interesting. It didn't feel like that in this. It felt like you were you know, vastly outgunned by cheating aliens. Mm. Uh, I don't know. The, the, the end of the game, Chris O'Regan specifically pointed out that the end of the first crisis really goes downhill. And I'm, I'm inclined to agree with him on this one. I was not having fun by the end. I was just trying it's Crytek um, sort of showing off at the end, basically. You know, when you go through like the 2001 Space Odyssey thing, and it's you know, yeah. lying down all the tunnels, and and it does the whole forbidden, you know, the sin at the end. It's like here is a special gun. You know, you're not going to see it for a couple of minutes, but that's what you're going to need to kill this end boss. Oh man! <laughs> Can I tell you guys a little story about that? Go I on. messed that up entirely. I don't know how I did it, but the first time I fought that boss. I ended up at the point where I was like, right, you've got to use that special, ta- the tack gun, the tack gun. You've got to use the tack gun. And the guy in the helicopter was saying, use the tack gun. I was like, where the fuck's the tack gun? <laughs> and I turned around and I went to the, the, the thing. What I'd done is, you know the bit where you go back into the ship and yeah, then yeah. you go down in the lift and then you go through the bowels of the ship and then you make a, a stop off and you pick up the tack gun? I'd not done it. I'd somehow managed to bypass it through some glitch in the game and just stayed on deck when all that was happening. And I'd triggered the final boss without having the tech gun. So I had to start the whole final section again. And let me tell you, that bit where you're just wandering around, watching them go through the motions, is like 20 minutes of, of guff. It was really tedious. It's like, right, well, I guess I'll get the tech gun then. <laughs> And then you, you kill it, and I was like, "Why right, is this game finally over? So I, I didn't feel a sense of achievement. I just felt relief that it was finished. And that, to me, is not a great way to finish a game. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not having a moan, not having a go at it, but I think there's a whole other episode we could do about final sections on games. Not just end bosses, but final sections where I think when it comes down to it, in the middle of the game you're sort of gathering yourself up to really enjoy it and you're sort of learning all these skills and just sort of pushing yourself through. By the end of the game, you don't really want to dwell on it. You just want to get to the end. Don't you? 
Yeah, I, I have to admit, I uh, changed the difficulty down to easy <laughs> when I got to the zero-G section because the the joy of the uh, everything up until then was the, like, experimentation. It was hard, but, like, I felt like, okay, if I try something different, then uh, maybe I'll succeed this time, and I would. Whereas with from the zero-G section onwards, it's just a corridor that you're going down, and I'm having to shotgun aliens in the face and I was just like I don't want to do this I just want to get through it so I changed it to easy so I could just breeze through it and oh look there's the boss yay end thank god for that I just I hated it to be honest to his credit Crisis 2 had a better ending but uh, still for, for some portions of it became a little bit tedious but uh, a better end boss, at least, because it required you to be a bit more adaptive, and rather than just shoot the left gun, then shoot the right gun, now the bottom gun, now the other gun, now use the stupid warhead thing. <laughs> uh, anything else on Crisis 1 before we move on to the words from the community? I mean, you can talk about Warhead if you want, or the, um, the multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, Warhead. Um, I'd be quite impressed... Oh, well, I'd be quite happy, actually, if they brought that to consoles as well. That wasn't actually um, developed by Crytek themselves. It was Crytek Frankfurt or something like this. It was a, a different branch of them. Um, but it mm. told the story of Psycho. And if you... Oh, Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> totally Jason Statham. Uh, but there's, Warhead fixed a lot of people's problems, what they had with Crisis. Um, with Crisis on the PC, there's some annoying things, like you know, if there was a weapon on the floor, you had to pick it up to get the ammo. I don't know if, if you on the console, you just walk over and you get the ammo now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, they fi- it was fixing things. Like, it fixed the engine quite a bit, actually. It's the most stable version of the engine you can get. Um, in it... It added quite a lot of new features to the multiplayer. Uh, we'll probably talk about the multiplayer once it comes to Crisis 2, but I feel they dropped the ball quite a lot because I loved the multiplayer in Crisis 1, which is very different in Crisis 2. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, Warhead told the story, say, of Psycho, and it's like running in parallel with Crisis. Yeah. And you really get. Just- Sidequal, I believe, is the term in film- filming terms. No. Lion King 3. <laughs> <laughs> and you, but you really get, midquel. I've also heard. What was that? You, you really like. You really get to like Psycho and Nomad. And Psycho's got. If you can find these, um, the the quotes, what he says, um, he's got one of the best lines. Where he's like, "I'm, I'm British, you muppet." Um, and I'm he's, British, you muppet. And it's just, it's just so funny when he says that. And he's got there's some classic cutscenes and things when he's fighting General Lee or Colonel Lee. Uh, you, you don't see him in the first one, but it's exist. It's, <laughs> it's it's just the long. Yeah, it's 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 a much more exciting version of Crisis, and I'd like people to be able to play that as well because it tells the other side. So. Okay. These are what you guys on the forums thought of Crisis 1 and 2. Uh, Karma4036 really, really liked uh, Crisis 2. I just picked it up on uh, XBLA and 
because it's, it, it is a bargain and I've got to say yeah I think it was like fourteen ninety nine for Crisis 1 which considering how much you'd have had to pay for a PC to get it to play four years ago seems like we're robbing them blind now Roy42 who hadn't actually played either of the games does want to get his word out there uh, Crytek just didn't know when to stop putting shit in the games and upping the minimum hardware requirements which is somewhat controversial to say. He also says, not that he's discounting the work that the team so clearly put into the game, but for all the effort they'd make to ensure the game would be remembered for years, A, the most well-remembered games are usually well-remembered despite the graphics, not because of them, and B, making your graphics look ball-bustingly amazing only serves to date them so much worse when going for a realistic art direction. That comment got me quite angry, didn't it? It did. <laughs> I said quite a lot about it. <laughs> saying things like, you know, we shouldn't try, is, I mean, just even saying that, companies shouldn't try, is just, that's like, we'll just give up then. You know what I mean? I think he was saying there's there's no point going for realism when uh, stylized, uh, stylized graphics are far more memorable no. in the bottom one and don't date so much. Well, I mean, which that, that's, is that's a true statement. somewhat of a sweeping statement. It, it's quite true, you know, you, if you look at Phantom Hourglass From certain perspectives. Yeah. But, I mean, a game like, you know, Enslaved or Heavy Rain or, you know, they're not brilliant games, but you can, you know, you can tell there was a lot of effort and time made to... You know, to make them look as real as possible. And of course, we'll look at them in twenty years' time, ten years' time, and go, "That looks like rubbish." But they made the effort; they tried, you know, and they're going to keep trying until they get it right or better than right, you know. And that, I, I, I get quite annoyed when people just say, "That's enough," you know, "You've done enough now; you can just leave it." Because if everyone did that, well, we're never going to get anywhere. When the Victorian period, they proclaimed that, that everything had been invented. Yeah, of course. They, they could just draw a line <laughs> under it and say, right, we've, we've got air travel now, we've got sea travel. That's pretty much all we need. We, we can now communicate over distances with telephone. Let's stop inventing stuff. Yeah. And look at what has happened since then. We're fat and lazy and do nothing. <laughs> as, as a futurist, mm-hmm. uh, as someone who is always looking forward to, to, to what mankind can achieve, mm-hmm. I, I can't in all good conscience accept that stylization should in all cases be prioritized over realism mm. or, or indeed just technology pushing in general and I'm sure if Roy was here he could probably defend his yeah. point of view and, 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 and refine it somewhat I have a slightly different perspective on what he actually was trying to say I don't Go think he was saying um, don't push graphics and hardware as far as they can go I think he was really trying to say don't forget why you're really making a game and it's not, mm. games aren't about Well, for me, personally, games aren't about graphics. Graphics are always second to gameplay, and if you can't craft a great game first, then don't don't waste all your time on the graphics, because if you make a bad game and it looks good, I'm sorry, but people are going to forget it. But if you you manage both, okay, Hmm. if you manage both, then that's great. First game that immediately sprung to mind when I was thinking of a game that looks incredible, but I just didn't want to play it after a while. Final Fantasy XIII. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah in terms of, of an RPG, it looked in- astonishing on PS3 specifically, but I just couldn't play it after a while. Yeah, there was no game. <laughs> there was no real substance to it. And that you're absolutely right there, Josh. There was after you'd passed the 60-hour oh, mark. But then it turned into the grinding for 10 hours, killing it, giant it, dinosaur things. Welcome to Final Fantasy <laughs> But um, no, you, you're absolutely right there. But uh, like when we were talking earlier, I was saying about how I used to shoot trees and hide and become a tree. That was, you know, 
the others just what I do in my spare time. But that that's what I do. That's, that's part of the graphics and the technology behind it. And it's funny, you can't do that still on the consoles because, you know, everything married together. It was the technology and the graphics to make it feel real that you could do this thing. You know, and it, it, graphics do help a lot, but it's also the technology and the raw power that's needed to do that. And if we're still not there, that's quite shocking, really. Well, it's not, because the crisis came out, what, 2007? Our, our consoles are older than that. Roy went on to stipulate that he was mostly focusing on the fact that to remain truly memorable, mm-hmm. you had to go for a very particularly stylized look, and he gave us a list of, of particular games that he was thinking of at the time. Uh, Braid, Super Meat Boy, Castle Crashers, Team Fortress 2, Super Mario, anything, Fruit Ninja, Bit Trip, anything. And then there's Bastion, which I completely agree. When you say the name... Of that game, you immediately, if you've played the game, if you've seen the game, it evokes a very specialised, stylized art style. But, having said that, Crisis 1 was massive. Most of the ones he just mentioned there are relatively indie efforts, apart from obviously Mario. It's, it's apples and oranges at this stage. Yeah. And, and ultimately, there's, a, there's a, an FPS shooter on the Xbox called 13, XIII. Mm. Anyone remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. Yeah, it looked very interesting, very arresting. Uh, piece of shit. <laughs> Didn't matter yeah. that it was stylized. Mm. Piece of shit game. Really interesting style. Would love to see a cel-shaded uh, FPS. I was really looking forward to it. Anyone remember Auto Modelista? Mm, oh, God, that racing game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. same concept. Cel-shaded. Looked fantastic. Yeah. Absolute dog ass of a game. So, graphics, as you said, Josh, come absolutely secondary to gameplay. And graphics equals style, and style equals graphics, and the twain shall never be separated. Indeed. Right, anything else from the community? I think we're probably ready to go. It's just Dits and Roy arguing for <laughs> the entire three pages. It's quite good, isn't Yous. it? Uh, you managed to keep it clean. Thank you both. Well, it was right. good banter. I mean, Roy, if you li- oh, of course you're listening, but you know, I don't mean anything by it. It was a good chat. Dits, you're placing us into the ultimate extreme end of the argument. I love seeing visuals progressing games, but visuals aren't what I remember five years on. Ultimate extreme arguing! Coming to Gonzo Planet this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Slap me off a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. But like I said, the reason I'm proud of our forums is that even if people get quite shirty with each other, you always keep it civil. So thank you very much, guys, for not going throat, even if you are diametrically opposed on this one. Christopher, slightly late to the discussion, he has been... Uh, every time I talked about I'm going to play Crisis 2, uh, he went, Ugh. So we're like, right, okay, I get it. you don't like it. <laughs> this is... Uh, Christopher has uh, written the article, Regenerative Health is killing first-person shooters, which you should definitely read on Gonzo Planet. I just feel Crisis was a big leap forward in terms of graphics. That can't be argued because it was a stunning game for the 5% of the community who could run it at full spec. It was generally quite a good game that had enjoyable combat and the suit was awesome to use. Getting into Crisis 2, though, the plot went batshit crazy. Visually, I don't think, honestly, it was that amazing. Coming from Crisis into Crisis 2 didn't really make me think, ooh, at all. The combat was predictable, the suit features were much more limited, the amount of times that suit rebooted and I just sat there wondering when the fuck I'd be able to control something again. Also though, stealth was just a joke, the game felt weighted towards heads-on and kill approach, or 
sneak past every encounter approach. It didn't really cater for mixed play styles. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with that. I didn't bother on the forums stuff. I felt like it, I would keep it for the game. There were many, many times in this game when I'd go stealthy, 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 and then I'd kill one guy and then turn around and his mate would go, oh my god! And I'd go, shields up, and then pound the shit out of him. And it was just a really nice way of just switching back left and then right and then left and then right. I, many, many times I was t- clicking left and right. Oh, I'd have to agree with Chris there. I think Chris oh, is a PC think, gamer as well, isn't he? But I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the AI was terrible. Yeah, the AI wasn't all that good. I, mean, I played it on normal because uh, when I'd finished with Crisis 1, I just wanted to get this one game, Crisis 2, that, that from the middle to the end finished mm-hmm. so that we could do this podcast. And I didn't want to ramp it up to harder than normal because I kind of feel obligated to play it on normal so that at least I'm talking about the experience that most people are playing it on. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's fair enough. If I'm reviewing it, if I play it on easy, I go. I don't know. It didn't feel really exciting. I think Paul. We've discussed this with Paul before. A lot of people just want to play for the story. That's fine. I want to be able to play for. I mean, ultimately, I'm going to trust most game developers that they will set normal on how it's at least supposed to be played. If you're just a standard gamer, which I consider I am, they're <laughs> not hardcore. I, I would. I agree with Chris here. I think I was very, very, very excited for Crisis Two, and I guess this leads in quite well to chat about Crisis Two. But it Let's do. let me down so, so much. You let me down, Crisis 2! How could you? It was horrible. Okay, so so should we talk about Crisis 2? Yeah. <laughs> Subtitle, Phase 2 is Profit. Right. Profit indeed. Clearly, you've got an axe to grind. I can hear it. <laughs> just, just, just say it. I mean, uh, this, just, just picture this. You know, I'm all excited, waiting for waiting for Crisis Two. I've read all of the previews. You know, uh, that thing. You know, quotes like, you know, the PC will not be compromised. You know, we're not going to. This is a direct quote. Here, we're not going to get a console game and bring it to the PC. The PC version will have everything. They're not going to nerf the PC version. No, uh, you know, everything will be maxed out. Don't be worried. All this kind of stuff. So that you know, the, the CEO guy was like, "Look, don't worry. We're all ready. You know, this is going to be the best thing ever." And I fire it up, and I know this is an old cliche, and it's gone around lots of forums. But the first thing it says to me on the PC is, "Please press start." There's no start button. There's no start button on my keyboard. That's a bit of a foot in mouth situation, okay? And I'm like, okay, alright, well, um, enter. (laughs) Press A to continue. (laughs) Little green button with an A. I'm not too sure what's happening here. So, anyway, enter, managed to do it. So then I'll go, right, let's get straight to the options. Me being a nerd, right, straight to the graphics options. And there's no sliders or anything. There's three options gamer, advanced, and hardcore. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Which pigeonhole would you like to <laughs> slot it into? Like, it doesn't tell me what it does, and doesn't do anything. I'm just like, what? Are at the bottom end of the scale? And and I'm digging through. There's swife in this one. <sighs> and I'm digging through, and I find in the controls auto aim. And I'm like, well, what the hell? What is this? <laughs> so jump. <laughs> and uh, I just go, okay, fair enough, whatever. Start the game, and it's downhill from there, really. Even more. Did so. you did you click the uh, did you toggle auto win <laughs> auto win button go? 
Oh, I'm sure it's okay, a very right. different experience for yourself. You can't just say it's downhill from there. It's like saying, and the rest is history, which is one of my least favourite phrases. Sorry. Okay, um, it starts Detail. off with Prophet in a submarine, doesn't it? Um, yes, giving man. his suit to a random guy called Alcatraz. Um, yep. After, you know, being all excited and playing Crisis and Warhead again to get into the story, yes, I tried, yep. I liked the story. Yep. There is no mention of Psycho. There's no mention of Nomad. They don't get mentioned, well, they get mentioned once, I believe, by Prophet in a fleeting comment. Yep. There's, this isn't the sequel. There's no... There's, I don't know what happened. It, 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 mm. This isn't a follow-on from the game I loved. Resistance 3 fleetingly mentions Nathan Hale. Mm. Does that make it not a sequel to Resistance 1 and 2? It's a prequel, isn't it? Resistance 3? I no, it's not. It's a, it's a direct sequel, ah. but it, it, almost, it basically abandons everything that was established in 2 because everyone hated it so much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you on the fact that um, Gonad... Sorry, Nomad and, um, and Psycho were not mentioned. Psycho is kind of fun. Nomad had absolutely nothing going on for him. He was not a character. The character in... in the most pervasing character in Crisis is the suit. It, yeah, the suit is iconic. He's the one that's talking to you all the time. But Crisis 1 ended with, we're, we're going to go finish the fight. It was a Halo 2 ending. Yeah. yeah. Where was my Halo 3? There's going to be a Crisis 3. Mm. It's going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's a, no, Crisis 2 is apparently the second in a trilogy, so you didn't get Nomad back, you didn't get Psycho back. They, there was probably room for Psycho in that story. It would have pepped it up a little bit. But, I mean, who did we get? We got Alcatraz, who's about as... Well, yeah, exactly again, the, the personality vacuum. Yeah. Nobody. So, yeah. But, again, Soap's the same in Call of Duty. I mean, there really aren't that many FPS heroes who are... But even... And we've said this before on DC, Gordon Freeman! Mm. Oh, yeah. As much as I love that game, Gordon Freeman is not a character. I've I said it before, and I say it again. If you voted for him... You're voting for yourself, but it's an act of vanity. <laughs> he doesn't speak at all. He can't, no, Gordon, Gordon, yeah. No. The, I mean, ultimately, no, the, the reason why um, uh, Psycho is interesting is, is like Price in Modern Warfare, uh, he's talking to you, You're, he's your buddy, he's walking with you, and he's the person you defer to in the game. He is the character that you can get to know, because if all you're seeing is the back end of a gun for most of the game, you won't really... There's a, there's a definite disconnect if you're playing an FPS versus playing a third person. In fact, I said this on the Bond episodes. The difference between playing um, Quantum of Solace and playing Bloodstone is huge. The difference between seeing Bond in action and being Bond in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine if Uncharted was uh, first person? Absolutely. It wouldn't be the same game. To hear Nathan Drake's weird disembodied voice coming out of the back of your gun. But, I mean, you said earlier, I mean, and it is true, the, the suit is the, is the main character. You know, you, from a silhouette, you can tell. Really good bits where the suit actually starts talking to you and actually start, see, appears to be taking on personality of its own. Yeah. And, you know, they, they designed that especially, you know. It look, you can tell that suit from just looking at a silhouette, and that's the best of, you know, any type of design. That's, that's what they should aim for. You can tell what it is. And, you know, but then I got my suit, and I'm running around, and I'm going, where are my options? I'm always in strength mode or whatever it was, and all I had was that and cloak. 
Um, it does sound like they've nerfed the PC version. Then. And I was just like, what they, the they buggered you guys. Yeah, and like it, it they betrayed to... the very people that they were supporting for so many years. Yes, you heard me scream and shout for many, many weeks. <laughs> and <laughs> it's true, but it, it, it's true. But end of the day, it's all about money. Did you like your PC on fire? Uh, I should have done. No, I just carried <laughs> on playing my MMOs. <laughs> it, it just—it's it, just like, what the hell have you done to it? Like the the you know the, the sprint was triggered by running. I'm like, by holding shift. I'm like, well, that's not how it is. And again, it's exactly what it says with the, with the, you know, trying to figure out where you're going to go. It, it can't happen because you you can't put your skills on on the fly. It sounds like we no. actually did ourselves a huge favour not playing Crisis One on the PC before we started Crisis Two. Josh, what was your experience? Um, I really, really was pleasantly surprised by Crisis 2 because um, I, had no, I hadn't played uh, Crisis 1 that much. I dabbled with it a bit, but not enough to really get an idea of how the game really plays. So I was kind of going into Crisis 2 having no idea what to expect. Um, and it felt very different from any first-person shooter I'd played before. Um, it's kind Very of, different or just Well, not... Okay. Let's not, not say very at this point, it's, unless you really made it. It felt like a twist on what I'd already played before. Mm. So, for example, at one extreme end you have Call of Duty, which is super, super linear. Mm. And at the other extreme end you have something like Far Cry 2, where it's just completely open and you can do whatever you want. Mm. Um, Crisis feels like the, Crisis Two feels like the happy medium between the two. So you do have a, quite a focused campaign, but within that campaign, there are areas where big open areas of enemies all over the place, and it goes, okay, handle this whatever way you want to. And I felt I felt like unlike uh, Crisis One. Um, I could actually handle it whatever way I wanted to in Crisis 2. If I wanted to go into the situation guns blazing, I could and I could handle myself. If I just wanted to sneak past the enemies and not bother with them at all, I could. I felt I felt really free in ways that I haven't felt in a first-person shooter before. So weird, because I felt like I had my balls cut off. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, the main thing why I say that is hardly anything is destructible. There, you know, you're led down a path there's no real... I mean, okay, you can attack some of the enemies in different ways because every five minutes it goes tactical situation, you know, and then it sort of assesses the area and doesn't really give the opportunity to do that yourself. But there's there's, there's no other... I don't know, there's, there's just not that many options to do anything. But it, I, I say, you know, if you've started it on Crisis 2 and that's the first you knew, then you're probably going to go great. But you know, I'm sitting there shooting things going, I used to blow up five of these in one go. You know, and throw these at people and have fun, but I can't do that anymore. There's also a huge chunk of Halo in there. You, d- you, you didn't mention that, Josh, specifically, but um, the, the feeling of being a super powerful, jumpy soldier uh, with the ability to take on aliens and survive and actually just sort of stalk out of the wreckage. Look, I mean, it, the armor, he has the same look as a, he's a slightly more dark Master Chief. Somebody asked me, I've heard this is very similar to Halo, and I said, simply on a scale of 1 to 10, one being not at all like Halo, ten being identical, this is a seven. And I really think that the, the only difference in the threes is uh, the suit powers, the setting, and of course the heart. The Crisis games don't seem to have any kind of heart or soul to them, whereas the Halo games, possibly helped by the music and the direction, feel like there's something very significant going on to do with humanity. This feels more like something that took place 
to the side of humanity, even though Manhattan's been evacuated. There's not, there's never really that sense of you have to save the entire human race. Everyone's depending on you. It feels like Cloverfield at times, but it doesn't feel like the entire human race is in danger. That's about it. <laughs> it really is that close to say Halo Reach or uh, uh, Halo Three. I could, I could be wrong on that. There could be plenty of stuff that I'm not thinking of. But it, the difference between what felt when I finally played Crisis One what felt very much like a shooter designed for PCs and then squoze into a console shape uh, to a, a game clearly designed for consoles because they couldn't possibly have made the amount of money uh, on Crisis 2 just doing what they did with Crisis 1. Because to, to push people to a nut to get another PC, <laughs> you know, to, to, to do the same thing again, to, to repeat that... That it would be stretching the uh, PC crowd a little too. It, it, it's a difficult juggling act. They definitely should not have uh, consolified it in the same way on the PC. They should have had a dedicated PC team to go look. We need to make this uh, bring this as close in line with the original Crisis. What if you take? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the PC version is made with CryEngine two. Um, no, no, it's CryEngine three. I'm still CryEngine three. Still the same thing. Um, I mean, if you take like Batman Arkham City. Um, yeah. That hasn't released it on PC because they're adding things to it. I would have been perfectly fine three months later. Right. Here's your PC yeah. version. Do what you want, you know. Um, but as you say, it's all about money. It's all about profit. You know, and that that is exactly <laughs> where it is, you know. And that and, and it, it's sad though. But what riled a lot of people is that, and it was the lies. I start. I said at the start about their ties with Nvidia. Mm. How Nvidia pretty much showed them, you know, gave Crytek their chance. Um, they there was like a special edition graphics card all bundled in with Crisis Two. Nvidia were pushing it on every single PC site. You know, you've got you know this is the only way to play Crisis properly. Blah blah blah. And then about a week before launch, if I remember correctly, um, Nvidia removed um, one of the options. It was meant to be one of the first DX11 games, you know, done properly. Yeah. And um, Nvidia removed that line from their website. And then everyone was like, what the hell's going on, blah, blah, blah. Crytek went quiet, nobody knew what was going on, and then we got press start to play. Yeah. And you know, this was after all the bravado of we're not going to make a console game to bring it and bring it to the PC, blah, blah, blah. Mostly kind of compromised then. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we haven't mentioned is the upgrade system. Did, did, did it help? Did it hinder? Because in Crisis 2, you can, uh, you can make yourself stealthier and you can, you can make yourself more able to armor yourself. You can add things like air stomp and stuff. And I, I focused on stealth first, then armor, and I never got to the end of armor because I think by the end I was just going, fuck it, I don't care about this anymore. I just want to get to the end again and I'm sneaking past these squiddies. I didn't like it. It it was all right. It, it was kind of like a half-hearted attempt at an upgrade system because it, there there was stuff that was useful, but there wasn't really anything exciting. It was all stuff that kind of just made the stuff you already had better. There wasn't like any great improvements. Like oh, suddenly you can fire plasma from your hat. I'm being silly, but you know what I mean. There was no, no, there was nothing special. Place. Like a, yeah. a suit overload where one single plasma bolt that kills everyone around you but drains the suit's batteries. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah. I just invented that, but yeah. Um, oh, yeah, no, that, uh, what's that thing? Is that in Halo Reach, Reach where you just yeah. go... Yeah. would be fun. And uh, the one thing I really actually haven't mentioned this before, it's in no other games in the same fluid way. But holding down the back button allows you to customise your weapon on the fly. Oh, yeah. So you go, right, 
Screwing on a silencer at this point, I want to switch from a reflex sight to a sniper sight. Slide that go from a distance, and then you hold down back again, and you flick it around. That was great. Yeah. I felt a real kinship with my weaponry in a way that I don't have in other games. Yeah, that, I can't believe I've mentioned that. Actually, that's one of the best. That's the best thing about one of the best things about Crisis. Uh, your one gun can be everything. You put your scope yeah. on. You put your, your different thing. Everything. You know, it's yeah. I love that feature of it. It makes you feel like more of a one-man army. Mm. Like there were times when I was taking my silencer off because I was like, okay, this it actually does dampen the impact of the, of the bullets. So at this point, they know I'm here. I don't care if they can hear me. Yeah, I like that. I mean, the yeah. I think exactly what Josh said there is the the upgrade system did feel a bit pointless in some ways. You know, because as I said, it didn't give you anything new. I, I think it would have been absolutely fine without it. Really. I don't think it, it was kind of a, a gameplay tack-on, which probably wasn't needed. It made me thirsty to kill other squiddies, and I, I think it probably made me uh, engage in combat a lot more than I otherwise... I could possibly have gotten by by sneaking otherwise, which would have made the game a lot more boring. So I, I'm glad it was there, but it would have been nice to see some more crazy effects borne by it. Taking away what made Crisis 1 special, they have thrown Crisis 2 in the dog pit with hundreds of other console shooters. And because it is kind of unexceptional, it's got some really fun, great bits in it, but it's relatively unexceptional in any other way. It doesn't push the graphical fidelity far off the rest of the console. It doesn't do things which you can't do on any other game. Um... It, it, it doesn't feel as special as I would imagine the original Crisis may have done simply as an event for PC games. Anything well, else? I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think execution is important, and I do think while Crisis 2 isn't particularly special, I think it was executed rather well. Mm. Um, I didn't have the problems I had with Crisis 1. I'm not um, saying it's flawed. It's competent. It's just yeah. unexceptional. Carry on. Okay. Well, I, well, I, then I, I agree with you. Then it's difficult to to, to argue that it's it not unexceptional because it feels so much like COD. It feels so much like uh, Halo. It feels. I wish it felt more like Far Cry Two. I wish it felt more like giant open expansive areas. If it had been like that with New York City, I would have been so happy. But it does feel like. <laughs> it does feel like Halo. It does feel like uh, going from one uh, battleground to the next and going, right, so I've got... Whenever it goes tax uh, tack options available, you, you're basically confronted with a big open area and you can sneak around it in a variety of different ways. And I did like the fact that I wasn't forced through a roller coaster series of events which uh, uh, bored me to tears on the COD series. Um, and I, I like the fact that it was uh, more chaotic than that, but it's not as chaotic as Far Cry 2, which was maligned when it came out because it wasn't as good as Crisis 2 PC gamers and uh, it was long, long and uh, there were ver- various flaws in it that made console gamers not like it but to me is superior to all of the above games Crisis, Crisis 2, Far Cry because it tried 
I have huge respect for Ubisoft for for taking this this license and actually doing something with it that actually felt more pervasive. There are there are some shit flaws with uh, with Far Cry Two. It's a it's a it's a country filled with super aggressive mercenaries, and the only people you meet are hiding inside homes, and and don't it doesn't feel like in the same way a living, breathing world as, say, Red Dead, because the only animals you meet are herbivores. There's no lions. But at the same time, it feels... It lives and it breathes in a way that the, the corridors of Crisis 2 don't. And it's difficult to say whether it lives and breathes more than the, the island of uh, Crisis 1, because I, I don't feel... I feel that it was just about alive on the console, but certainly not breathing. I used to love picking up turtles and killing KPA with them. Tell me you can do that. No. <sighs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> do, do you get a turtle launcher? Uh, no, you can just pick up turtles and little kiwis from the ground. And, um, no, you you know. can definitely pick up chickens. Yeah. You did? Yeah. I just I, I felt like I was watching my back too much to really experiment. Hmm. Mm. It wasn't as it was nowhere near as much fun as Crisis Two, but I, I got through Crisis Two. I enjoyed it, and I got I got to the end. And I enjoyed that, but like I said, it, it, it felt somewhat unexceptional. Multiplayer though, we tried to have a game the other day, and uh, it was uh, me and Josh and Knock on Wood, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we tried to get in for some. My my connection is terrible or something, and uh, I couldn't get into their party. So I played a bit on my own. And what I played a bit, I was actually really impressed with because the reason I hate playing COD online is that when you're in a big open area, you get sniped, and it's boring because you walk three steps, you're dead. But in Crisis Two, you pop on. Uh, invisibility, and they can't snipe you unless they know, they, they see a little blur and they go, hang on, did I see something there? There's not that vi- visibility across the whole field. So it, you don't get killed every two seconds. And that's brilliant. And then if you suddenly come across someone, again, in COD, they'd already just like aim at your head and kill you in two seconds. But you stick armor mode on, it takes a few extra seconds for their bullets to get through. In the meantime, you could have done something a bit more interesting. Which, again, I loved. So I could really get into Crisis 2 multiplayer once I get a decent internet connection. It was Modern Warfare, though, wasn't it? It was a lot of Modern Warfare, <laughs> but without those two really annoying things of close encounters and far encounters. See, this, I, was, I was saying earlier, wasn't I, about the multiplayer of Crisis 1? Yeah, go for it. That was Battlefield. It was Battlefield. It was a huge, you know, 32 players, and you could mod it to have even more. Yeah. Um, you had your planes, your, your VTOLs, whatever they were called, uh, you had tanks. Uh, people carriers, and they had a really interesting mode called Power Struggle, um, which was kind of Counter-Strike kind of conquest from Battlefield as well, uh, where you'd have your teams and you'd have to control different points. And what, so you'd have to control, say, the bunker, which would then allow you to take over the alien artifact, which once you've done that, you can then buy tanks and upgraded weapons and all this to take out the other team. And it was brilliant. And that is, they just went, no, it doesn't happen anymore. We're making COD because that's what people want. I have to admit, that sounds a lot more interesting. I like Crisis 2's multiplayer, but the idea of that kind of control scheme with Battlefield's multiplayer sounds really interesting. It's, it's yeah. a shame they just gave up on it. The mod scene. Dits. You've been sending me these you know, sort of modded, up, modded videos and like, you know, improved textures, which when you're playing them at 240p on a netbook don't really look all that improved. <laughs> Fair enough. But, what are the mods doing to these games? Oh, there? there's a million mods for Crisis. Um, you could Yak Simulator. Yak Simulator. Have you not seen the Back to the Future mod? <laughs> you get the Back to the Future car and it, uh, it go 88 miles an hour. A little lightning concert. Anyway, um, no, you're retexturing everything. Um, oh, that was a horrible thing with Crisis Two on the PC. The textures were horrific. 
I mean, okay, they've released the high-res texture pack, but the mods are much better than what they've done. Um, Josh, I think our textures were probably horrific. We just didn't know it because we've only got, we're used to Xboxes. Yeah. It, I, I sound like a really arrogant PC gamer, whatever. I don't Somewhat. care. Somewhat. <laughs> but at the end of the day, remember, when the next consoles come, you're going to have that. So that's true. You know, well, that's where we are right now, but obviously people aren't supporting. But, um, you know, looking at buildings and not seeing my reflection, what the hell's that? Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, but no, the, the mods, new levels, maps, new guns, new characters, designing your character differently. You know all this DLC thing they make you buy, or make us buy? You know, you can go on, you know, if you go just type in ModDB and search for Crisis Mods, you'll find over a, probably hundreds or thousands of mods for new levels, weapons, game types, all this kind of stuff. You know, and, it, and it's free. There's a million things. There, there's... Somebody's made like an Oblivion style mod because they're redoing the whole thing. People, you know, development companies, and that actually do have to really praise Crytek here. Of every one of their games, they bring out the engine as well. Uh, yeah, they, they release that for uh, people to play with. Yeah, and they, they put it into education. CryEngine three is free for any any college or university. Which oh, actually, there's a little bit of tidbit that I found earlier which I didn't mention. Uh, CryEngine two was first licensed out to a French company, IMA. GTP, who specialises in architectural and urban planning communication. The purpose of licensing the engine was to create a programme to allow clients to see exactly what a building or other structure would look like before any actual building was undertaken. So yeah, the, the actual the ramifications of using this engine to actually create worlds for other things than games is fascinating. Yeah, it's because it's, you know, the physics are, are lifelike, you know, everything yeah. works properly and that's where the technology is and where Crisis 2 didn't, the physics aren't there. You know, everything's a bit off. And it's actually one of Crytek's... Probably the most frustrating thing, I guess, it would be for them, is that their engine has never caught on. Only in yeah, their games. Yeah, It would be so fascinating. If, if Josh, you playing Dead Island yet? No, I haven't touched right. it. If you ever do get to play it, imagine what it would have been like with the either the Far Cry 2 engine or CryEngine 3. Licensing out this engine to other... I mean, this, the Unreal engine is overused. Everywhere. It's everywhere. For God's sake, people, use the CryEngine 3. Yeah, I mean, I I don't... I'll put my tinfoil hat on, be cynical as always, but, you know, quite recently, as at E3, wasn't it, um, Crytek just went, um, yeah, hello, Microsoft, we're in bed with you now. Um, we're releasing this thing called Rise, wasn't it? Uh, right. Connect. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, they seem to be going that way. I, th- I believe probably quite a lot of money was exchanged and things changed, but hey. <laughs> Briefly, bullet points. Key strengths and weaknesses of the first game on PC, and I suppose we should do an addendum of first game on 360, and then we'll do the second game. So, key strengths, dits. Um, it's absolutely beautiful, the the open-worldness of it all, the, the ability to approach any situation in any way you fit, you see fit and just have fun with it. Um, you know, the, the, the customizability of it all, you know, the mods and everything like this. Uh, the multiplayer of the first one, excellent. It's a fantastic game, and it can be played on a basic PC these days. Any weaknesses at all? Um, probably when it came out, it scared everybody. <laughs> because and now, in 2011? It scares everybody. <laughs> so, no, I mean, now it, now it can be run, but as they... Um, probably now, these days... From what I'm hearing you guys saying, this is not a dig at anything. This is probably just how things have moved on. It's probably too complex for a lot of people. It's true. You thought you'd sound arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a harsh comment. It's just the way games have changed. 
I didn't feel it was the least bit complex. Josh, go for it. Any any weaknesses or strengths that you want to add? Um, weaknesses. Um, I think the final third is awful. Um, yep. I actually think it's really really bad. Um, I don't like any of the alien encounters. I think the zero G section, especially seeing as I played Dead Space Two earlier this year, which did zero G stuff really really well. Playing Crisis One, that section was infuriating. Um, and then the final boss encounters kind of boring and dull, and I didn't like it. Uh, I, I, for me, it's it's a case of down to plot and characterization. I didn't give a flip what the hell was going on the whole way through the game. I just wanted to get through. Didn't care because whenever they were t- they were talking, going through cutscenes, it was just aliens, aliens, plot, plot, aliens, aliens, plot, plot, aliens. Uh, it, uh, did I miss anything? Mm, two aliens. There was some plot and some <laughs> aliens. Uh, it, it was scientists and aliens. I, I don't care. I don't care. There were no characters. And uh, ultimately, when it came down to it, it felt more like a tech demo uh, pasted onto an FPS. A great tech demo, and it was it was good fun to get through for about the first half. The, the first half, it felt more like Battlefield. The last, you know, the middle end it started to peter out, and by the end, I was just going, finish, finish, please, finish. <laughs> Crisis 2. Um, do you want to go with the weaknesses first? <laughs> it's not Crisis 1. It's compromised. Okay. Yep. That's that's all I can say. It's linear? compromised. It's linear. It's boring. The story is even worse, if that's possible. Not as linear as it could have been. The story is also guff. Yes, it's terrible. Um, it's it's just for all it could have been, it's not, and that's the worst thing about it. Josh, good or bad? Good for me. I feel like it's a combination of games that I really like. Um, it's a bit of Halo in there. There's a bit of COD, and there's a bit of Half-Life in there as well, um, in terms of like the way it's designed and stuff like that. I really like the stealth gameplay, especially with the uh, silenced pistol. It was really fun to just go in a corner and pop people off with headshots and not have to worry about your uh, cloak meter at all with the uh, pistol. I liked that it gave you room to experiment and didn't punish you as much as the first one did. I agree with you that the story is complete bollocks um it doesn't make any sense and who the hell is that guy in that capsule i don't know oh that was the most interesting thing about it he's like this hundred year old dead guy yeah it's been done before though i I, that that whole like that guy has been in this capsule the whole time even though you've seen video footage of him talking it's like oh uh, that's original yeah i i enjoyed the gameplay side of it a lot but in terms of like story and setting, it's kind of dull. Mm. For, for me, as you say, it's a sort of a combination of various other elements from games. Uh, and it reminded me to a degree of Uncharted, which combined Tomb Raider and Gears of War. The difference was that Uncharted was brimming with personality, had some really great characters, great, uh, act, great delivery acting, and some, some really fantastic action set pieces that are memorable. This had none of those things. Apart, there, was, there were a few bits which I had minimal control of, I might add, uh, which were actually uh, fairly arresting in terms of action set pieces. But mostly, it was great fun to bounce around the place shooting guys, but if I'd swapped dude from Crisis for Master Chief, I probably wouldn't have noticed anything different. Can I ask one question? Yep. Five years' time, what are you going to remember? Um, that every time you killed a squiddy alien, you got a little bit of an upgrade for your suit and thinking, right, okay, I've, got, I've got to kill these guys and be able to get to where their corpses are quickly so I can get the upgrade. Sorry, which I'll reword really that one. Which game will you remember? Crisis oh, right, or uh, Crisis 2? 
Crisis 2 Crisis 1 was compromised on consoles <sighs> yeah Crisis 2 yeah yeah if we've, had, if we've played the PC version obviously I think Crisis 1's graphics would probably have stood out more mm. but ultimately we, we didn't we had to play the compromised console version and I really don't think that is the way to play Crisis so uh, if you're listening the ultimate end is probably play Crisis 2 first and if you'd like a bit more of that with maybe a bit more of an open world feel and it's harder get Crisis 1 but finish Crisis 2 first because frankly if you've had your fill then you don't want to play Crisis 1 for a while So I think that's pretty much it for uh, Gonzo Gaming this week. Do you guys want to plug your various outputs? Um, yeah, uh, you can find me actually over on Gonzo Planet, uh, where I've, I've written one article so far. I should probably get around to doing another one. And you'll probably find me arguing with people on the forum as well. Uh, you- it was a really fascinating multimedia article, wasn't it? It was, like, it was text mixed with video, and it, sort of, it scrolled the text about rather than just being flat text to read. That was I re- uh, How did you find that? Um, it's actually a tool we use in education. Um, and it's it's a nice like a PowerPoint one. presentation. Yeah, and it's a little bit a little bit different, a little bit more engaging for people. So yeah, I'm I'm working on other thing actually at the moment where I'm going to be using a little bit more audio and video and things like this. So just trying to do things a little bit differently. And Josh, um, you'll mainly find me on CanaanRinse.com. Um, I'm a contributor to the site where I write reviews and articles, and I'll also guest star on some of the podcasts they do. Uh, I'm also writing articles for uh, Gonzo Planet, uh, which are more focused on film and multimedia rather than games, because I'm doing that mainly on Kane and Rinse. Gives you an outlet for other stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you wrote an article on What Makes You Afraid... Yeah. Uh, last month, and I've got, I've still got in the canon your uh, thing on. It's going to be out in the next few days. JRPGs have to evolve or die. Yeah, yeah. somewhat challenging, but it's an audio article. I fucking love it. Can't wait. Okay, right. Um, that's all from us for Gonzo Gaming. The next episode, I think I'm probably going to talk about Dead Island. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many interesting concepts in that game, and so many are handled in a cack-handed manner. So I'm going to need some people to talk about that. Okay, thank you very much for listening. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Dit. I've been Josh. And love, hate, but most of all, think. Lock eyes from across the room. Down my drink while the rhythms boom. Take your hand and skip the names. No need here for the silly games. Make our way through the smoking crowd. The club is the sky and I'm on your cloud. Move in close as the lake.
laces fly, our bodies touch and the angels cry. Leave this place, go back to yours. Our lips first touch outside your doors. The whole night, what we've got in store. Whisper in my ear that you want some more, and I jizz in my pants. This really never happens, you can take my word. I won't apologize, that's just absurd. Mainly your fault for the way that you dance, and now I jizz in my pants. Don't tell your friends or I'll say you're a slut. Plus, it's your fault you were rubbing my butt. I'm very sensitive, some would say that's a plus. Now I'll go home and change. I need a few things from the grocery. Do things alone now, mostly. Left me heartbroken, not looking for love. Surprise in my eyes when I looked above the checkout counter and I saw her face. My heart stood still, so did time and space. Never thought that I could feel real again, but the look in her eyes said I need a friend. She turned to me, that's when she said it. Looked me dead in the face, asked cash or credit, and I shizzed in my pants. It's perfectly normal, nothing wrong with me, but we're going to need a clean up on aisle three. And now I'm posed in an awkward stance because I shizzed in my pants. To be Fair, you were flirting a lot Plus the way you bag cans got me bothered and hot Please stop acting like you're not impressed One more thing I'm gonna pay by check Last week, I saw a film As I recall, it was a horror film Walked outside into the rain Checked my phone and saw you rang And I jizzed in my pants Speeding down the street when the red lights flash Need to get away, need to make a dash A song comes on that reminds me of you And I jizz in my pants the next day, my alarm goes off And I jizz in my pants Open my window when a breeze rolls in and I in my pants When Bruce Willis was dead At the end of Sixth Sense I shizzed in my pants I just ate a grape And I shizzed in my pants I went to jizzed okay. in my pants Seriously, you guys, can we, okay? I just ran